Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Barbell with me, Manuela, and Michael from Common. Hello. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. I'm better now. Good. Um, <laughs> good. You, you heard my cough off air. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm... It's winter time, so we're just like we're just gonna cruise through all the flu, cold, and all the things that winter has to bring to us. Oh yeah, that's why we didn't even do a podcast. I wasn't feeling well last, so not this past week, the week before. Mm-hmm. I because uh, I was in Toronto all weekend, and then I got home and I felt kind of tired. And then on Tuesday morning, I woke up feeling like like complete crap. So I went to the clinic, got checked mm-hmm. out, got antibiotic, but I, I was in bed with a fever for twenty four hours solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I woke up the next day feeling pretty good, but it's, <laughs> I still had like that asthma in my chest. It feels weird, but it felt so nice to be in bed all day and sleep it was it was actually really nice i feel like when you're sick at least you kind of like allow yourself to do that i don't know about you but i have a really hard time relaxing if i'm like even if i have a sunday that there's nothing on and i know i can just relax i'll be sitting down thinking about the things i'm gonna do on the week or the things that I've done on that week or the things that I haven't done. And I just can't, I find something to do real quick. And then at least when I'm sick, I'm like, I allow myself to just embrace the sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tend to, so like during the week, I'm like you, I I don't like to relax, but on the weekends, I, I allow myself to just completely shut off from, from business and everything. Yeah, it's really good to have that separation. I think I'm still learning. It's always been such a grind for me to just go, go, go and not not stop. And then you kind of feel guilty when you stop kind of thing. When you were talking about being sick and all, I was just going to ask you, how is healthcare in Canada? Um, Like it's free because we mm-hmm. pay taxes. But yeah. so like here in Ontario... It's a it's a complete shit show. So like our emergency rooms are over capacity with like no nurses, no doctors. Mm. The the wait times are like ten hours just to see an ER doctor. But why I is think that? It's shit is it from, because it's too is overcrowded? No, because government doesn't want to spend any money. They they always do cutbacks. They don't want to mm. spend money. Sure. And like one of my biggest beefs here is that like. Ontario as a province because healthcare is a provincial thing. Yeah. So like Ontario's really well like big populated and I'm thinking to myself every year their Ontario the government is getting so much billions of dollars in taxes. Mm-hmm. And where's it all going? Mm. Like there's like we have more than enough taxes being paid every year to like fund healthcare to fund education to it's 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 a, it's a corrupt system like canada as a whole i believe is a very corrupt country but people turn a blind eye to it and think everything is perfect just because you get to go out on the weekend and have a beer you think that life is perfect and free but it really isn't like nothing free. Like, there's no such thing as free lunch no so like Anyways, I think our healthcare is shit because they, they're not spending money on it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get good quality like healthcare, mm-hmm. um, but like you know, like if if I need a surgery, it's free, but the wait time is long. If I need like an MRI, the wait time is long. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I have to see a specialist, I'm waiting eight months. So it's like, well, if I have something serious, I have to wait eight, wait eight months for something. Like, mm-hmm. is the same thing here where? Uh... 
if it's an emergency, then they're great at it. They're so good. Uh, if it's not an emergency, then you are put on the wait list and it can take a year, two years or whatever to get to get what you need. And the funny thing is that they call you and they tell you, oh, so you've been booked for this day. No matter what you're doing, you better go to that day. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to take not to the back of the queue, but you're going to be taking back a few more days. So it doesn't matter like if you're getting married that day, if you've got something super important, someone's funeral. Nope, you got to go and do what has to be done. Um, yeah, it's nuts. But it, it is, you know, healthcare system is as good as it can be in terms of like the government paying for it or being free in brazil is if you want good quality you you pay for it so you get insurance like uh through companies and everything like that they pay for your health care if, if you work for a good company uh it's very expensive but then you make the most of it like my grandma for example she pays for private healthcare right so every week she's got a different doctor to go to even if there's nothing wrong with her she's doing blood tests she's checking yeah. everything just for peace of mind because she's paying for it you know it's one of those things where now i've paid for it i need to make the most of this product and i think it's like that with anything right like when you get when you invest in a coach or like we were saying before, when you invest in like a business course or something, you give that thing value because you're paying money for it. So you're like, okay, now I'm going to have to take this seriously. Yeah. Um, I've always wondered about like paying for healthcare. So like in the United States, it's paid healthcare. Like you have to pay for your healthcare, yeah. but you get, you get the appointments like immediately. Yeah. So it's like on one hand, yeah, you pay to get service, but then like, what if you don't have the, the financial means to do that? Mm. Then what? Yeah. The poor don't get treated, but the rich do. So there's that inequality, but at the same time, it's like there's got to be a balance between the both. Like, yeah, that's the thing in Brazil. You do have the option of public healthcare, and you also have the the private healthcare. Of course, if you can afford, you go for the private healthcare because, like you said, you can be. Uh, it, things just happen quicker than having to wait for the public health care. But the public health care is also that for those that can't afford it. And I think is is one thing where like, is your choice, like for example, in, in the US to be at risk? Like, yeah, you don't want to invest this money or you don't have the means to invest this money on the health care right now. But then if something happens, that bill is going to be three times bigger than what it should be you know because you don't right. have any health care yeah it's so it's it's uh, i mean i'm not gonna hear i'm not gonna sit here and talk politics because it's more complicated than that but totally. i think i think the leaders around the world are complete idiots and they're doing this on purpose i don't know anyways i'm not gonna get into it <laughs> what a start <laughs> um Let yeah so know. i got back to training this week yeah because i took i took 10 days off mm -hmm. from lifting from working out and uh and so i went this past monday again and it was a slow it was a struggle like i felt good but i just didn't feel like my like like myself and then i went to the gym yesterday and i felt back to like being really good so it just took me a couple days to get back into it mm. and now i feel good yeah it's it's important to understand when to when to step back as well and i think it's a, it's a great message there where 
it will take a couple of sessions or a week to get back into it, but you get back into it, you know, because it's just part of your life, I guess. Yeah. And also understanding, like you've got the understanding that those 10 days are not going to make a difference in the bigger picture in the in the long run those are 10 no. days that you can get back you know and if anything it would have set you back if you did push through it and worked out when you weren't feeling up for it or when you were just still recovering from from your sickness it, right exactly i uh because i hadn't taken like a week off in months so mm. like I, i'm like i was probably due for one Mm-hmm. yeah anyway so it kind of just worked thing. out well there is no point like of course sometimes some people need it scheduled but you also if you listen to your body and if you know yourself well you will know when it's time to take a step back and just yeah. relax so coming off of that uh i wanted to start the podcast with our tops and bottoms let's say of the week or our highlights and our low points of the week um so give me some highlights of your week so this week uh got back to training feeling really good nice um and it's friday i'm going to toronto this weekend again amazing you, you might as well just move to toronto i'm trying it's just so, it's so expensive what are your high points high points this week like you said i i did I made it to all my sessions this week. That was really good. Uh, like my program is designed. Everything is going well. Everything is going where it should be going. Everything is heading where it should be heading, providing I don't get nice. any sickness or anything from now until when I go to Brazil in January. It should be great. Um, yeah, so this, this was definitely a, a highlight, especially because now that winter is here, I struggle so much with the cold. I just yeah. can't bear it. And every year is the same thing where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to stay at home. So actually doing the session, getting up and doing the sessions and feeling good after is something that is even more re rewarding during winter because I know it's the hard thing to be done and it just has yeah. to be done, right? I'm just like you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. That's wow. Yeah. I hear Brazil's really nice. It's it's just so big because if you are in Brazil, like I don't even know most of Brazil. I know South and that's about it. Yeah, it's like Canada. We're so big that you can't even travel in it. That's what I mean, right? You travel six hours in the car and you move like from here to here. You move that yeah. this little in the map. Yeah. Whereas over here, five hours, you can travel the whole country. Well, that's like Italy, right? Italy, within 10 hours, you can cross from the south to the north. Like, it's quick. Exactly. A road trip in Italy would be sick. Because you go mm. through so many differences in culture as well. So many different cultures as you go through it. Like, yeah. it's, it's the same people, but very different in the way that they behave from south to, like, oh, center and north. Uh, so different. Like, even, like, the, the dialect is completely different. Almost you can't even understand north and south. Yeah, yeah. And there is kind of like a little bit of a rivalry between the south and the north there. I remember when I was staying there for uh to get my Italian citizenship and yeah. the people who I was staying with so it was kind of like a big barn with lots of different little houses and I got yeah. I made friends with the owner of the place and he was like 
yeah, you know, all of you guys, descendants of Italians, they're because they're all Italians from the north, because the Italians from the north traveled down to South America during the Second World War because they didn't want to stay and fight for their country. All of us in the south, we stayed and we we did fight for it and blah, blah, blah. And now the north gets all the money, like the economy is over there and we're just here. And I was just listening to it going, I'm wow. sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's such an interesting thing that your no, is it your dad or your mom that's Italian? So it's funny that because it's both sides. So my mom's dad is Italian and my dad's grandpa is Italian. So they're kind of like they both came down to Brazil and down south. It's interesting that because if you think about obviously geopolitics and geography and everything like that down south in brazil is where is is more like up here in europe things like weather and you know having a lot of land and and things like that so people during the second world war we have little colonies of like you know little villages where there is a lot of german people uh polish people uh Italian, Spanish, they're little, they created little communities down south because that's where they kind of like found their base to be more similar to up here in Europe. Right. Whereas northeast of Brazil, there is a lot of African influence. Climate is similar. And so it's completely different in terms of culture as well from down south to up north because we had all this influence coming from other countries and just making their homes in different mm. areas of Brazil, which is really nice. I find it so interesting, like how people from Europe, what like because a lot of the Italians went to like Argentina, went to Brazil. Like it's funny, it's fascinating to me back in the, in those times how they traveled by sea or traveled by whatever. Like, but like, isn't it weird how? So like South America, North America, like it was all discovered within the last two, three hundred years. Like it's oh, not yeah. that long. Of, so like it's weird how there was civilization in Europe, in Asia, Africa. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's indigenous people in Brazil, there right? There is Just like, still, yeah. There is still, but it's so little now. What do the indigenous look like in Brazil? Because like obviously like the the, the natives in, in North America, like in Canada, like the aboriginals mm -hmm. look a certain, they almost look Asian because they had Asian influence yeah. from when they, so like what's the Brazil native look like? Um, It's just very, I don't know, very unique features. And it's nothing it. like, yeah, if you if you Google it, they're mostly in Manaus and in the Amazon area. It's it's funny that you say that because I went to a uh, a museum here that was having an expedition that it was um, all Brazilian indigenous tribes and all photos of indigenous tribes. And it's so interesting to see, even in modern days, that they live in those ways, if you know yeah. what I mean. And well, they almost look like uh, natives from Canada, like from North America. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, very, pretty it's similar. very similar. So I'm half indigenous Brazilian and half Italian. It's beautiful how the mixture of cultures happen and mm -hmm. is still happening and it's great. But obviously back then it was a lot more taboo than it is now. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's a very interesting thing. It is. It's super interesting. But, and you know, 
when I went to that museum in in London with the Brazilian photographer, and that there was a lot of videos of like the uh indigenous people telling what what the pandemic was like for them. Obviously, they don't have access to healthcare and anything like that, but because of agriculture and the you know deforestation, the people who were paid to go into the forest they brought covid to those tribes and then they ended up catching it to a much bigger extent than people who were in civilization because it, it went a lot quicker around them and this is how back back in the days this is how most of them died anyways because all the diseases came from europe down to brazil mm. where where we didn't have any of that so it's very interesting like I, I've got a huge interest for uh, geography and, and, and history and that because mm -hmm. it's fascinating how we ended up where we are now. And what's also more fascinating is we're only told what people want us to know or what, what, what the historians want us to know. So like they, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of the term where, where they say, you know, history is written by the victors. So like you go to Europe and you talk to the english they're like oh no we we create a civilization in brazil in north america like we're the like we're the saviors yeah but then if you if you think back to like even the uh, the the natives in canada like when the europeans came to canada there was a lot of like rape slaughter killings like it was a brutal thing right mm -hmm. yeah so like even the whole like world war ii thing and and, and germans going to like argentina like they were pretty much escaping and you know i don't know like it's just i feel like I feel like we're not told a lot of the truth out there just because they're just trying to cover shit up for whatever reason. Yeah, and it's important to go out of your way and learn about it and be interested. And the knowledge is important because by learning by learning what happened before, we can kind of not predict, but we can kind of see where things are going. Because there is this quote by, I don't remember who, who said, um, history doesn't repeat itself but it definitely rhymes so by looking at what happened back then we can kind of see patterns of things that happened again over and over and over again and see where we're heading <laughs> we went completely off track here yeah, but this is why uh, the podcast is called beyond the barbell because we don't talk about just barbell stuff <laughs> Hey, speaking of being off track, how do we track? What do we track? Oh, here we are. We're back on track. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> full of buns. Yeah, no, that? that's a great point, Michael. You just reminded me about fitness trackers and ways to track your progress. Now, talking about tracking, um, what things do you feel like it's necessary for you to track in terms of health, fitness, and well-being in general. What like do you track? personally or for like personally? What do you track? Yeah. Um, I track uh very little to be honest. I track my mood, how I feel day to day. I, I do like a, just a self checklist of like how I feel in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'll track that. Um. I don't really track sleep because I sleep eight, nine hours. I just make sure that I get my sleep. Mm -hmm. um, if there's anything I do track, it's probably uh, my protein intake to yeah. hit certain requirements. Just like, what I, like, 
like a loose requirement. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll track like my weight selection that I use. But even that, like I'm so self-aware, like I understand my body that I remember what I squatted two months ago mm -hmm. for five reps. I just like, just cause I, I enjoy that. So yeah, I don't really track a lot. I just track like my mood, how I feel. Uh, I'll track like my weight just so I can see the progression over time and like my protein intake. Yeah. And that's because I'm at a point now where I know what, what my body is at homeostasis. I know how to adjust it mm -hmm. here and there. I know, I know what I need to do if I want to gain muscle, burn fat, whatever. Like I just. That's exactly what I was going to mention. You got to that point where you know already how things should go or where you want things to go and you can manipulate that well. Although now I'm seeing this trend a lot of, it started with track your steps and then track your calories, track your weights, track this, track that. Suddenly we can't keep track of everything because there's so many things that everywhere, everyone is telling us to track that, we end up being lost. So yeah. I think some things are essential. Some things you should not worry about that much. Things that you shouldn't worry about that much. Uh, the calories, definitely the calories you burn during the workout. That's definitely not, not important. Uh, I guess in certain situations, it's good to track your steps. If you're someone who is sedentary, who doesn't get out for walks that much, or if you're just generally struggling to get your activity levels up, that can be important. Now, for someone who's super active, tracking the steps might not be necessary because you're already moving around all day. Mm -hmm. Your need is through the roof. Also, weight is something that can be beneficial for some people, but it can be triggering for other people. Most people are okay tracking weight. Other people, it can become quite compulsive. Right. Yeah. Do you, and, no, uh, what do you track personally? So at the moment, I'm tracking just my progress in terms of how much I'm lifting closely yeah. because I have, you know, a path that I want to follow. Uh, other than that, I do track my sleep, but just in terms of in my head, not with a with a wearable or a tracker or anything like that, especially because, you know, like whoop bands and stuff like that, they're, they are the rings, aura rings, right? Yeah. They're very popular right now, but sometimes I see some clients that they can be manipulated by that in terms of like, yeah. oh, I'm feeling under-recovered today because my ring told me that I'm under-recovered or my whoop band said that I'm under-recovered. But if you didn't have that, metric there if you didn't have that data you would have just carried on with your day without knowing that and sometimes ignorance is bliss sometimes you don't need to know yeah i agree so i used to have a whoop band and i had it for about a good year mm. and it was interesting to see like you know my sleep patterns and you know like how intense i went on certain days but yeah you're right on days that i was in the red i was under recovered I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I might not train as hard today because my root band, this technology told me that I should probably take a little bit easier today. Yeah. Meanwhile, I probably could have pushed it harder. And like yeah. one thing I'm going to say about all this, it's like we've become so data driven as a population. Yet we are we are in a biological system that is very complex. Mm. Yeah. But like everybody wants that. Everyone wants like. Uh, what's the study numbers. that shows that claim? What's the numbers for this stat? What is it's like? 
I don't give a shit about stats and numbers and data. Like that's not, not that's not how I function. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I don't. I, my emotions don't function off of data. My yeah. emotions function based off my off my environment. Yeah. My environment is inside my brain, mental, but also external. So, like, how do I control that, those variables so that mm -hmm. my system feels safe and secure to do what I want? Exactly. There's two ways I want to go with that. So first yeah. one, there's a couple of, uh, again, researches that I was reading before this. Um, trying to, I was trying to look because it's obviously very hard to track behavior, right? It's very hard to do studies on people's behavior if you're not tracking it long term, etc. But basically, there was two studies that uh, one in older people, older population, and one in just adults between 30 and 45 years old, where they 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 were trying to see whether their fitness trackers or their wearables were bringing them positive or negative outcomes. And at the beginning, during wearing their wearables, like it was positive. It was very positive. It caused people to be more active. It caused people to be more uh, conscious of how much they are walking, how much they're sleeping, and their healthy ha uh, healthy habits in general. Now, the interesting part in that was that they realized that once those trackers were taken away from those people, both studies saw negative outcomes in terms of it caused anxiety and stress related to not having those numbers there anymore. So is the thing where it was positive whilst they had it, but when they didn't have it, something that they didn't know that they missed before, they started missing and started being anxious or stressed about that. And I... I recognize that in myself because, like I said, it's hard to track behaviors, but this brings brings me back like a, a personal anecdote that I used to wear the, the MyZone belt. And it was really good when I was doing, you know, when I was trying to hit a certain intensity or whatnot. But there's other things that that belt gives you, for example, it creates competitiveness, right? So it gives you numbers of like, the, here's the amount of points that you got for working out this month. And here's how much such and such got. And, you know, you end up going somewhere in your brain going, I need to match that or I need to do more than that. Or even us as fitness professionals, we're like, we need to do more. We need to be like the role right. model and et cetera, right? And I, it kind of like became engraved in me where at some point I had to stop myself, realize that behavior and say, I'm going to have to go away from this for a bit and see how my training goes. If it takes any hit, if I take this away, because if my training is taking a hit because I haven't got that metric that then that's a problem. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel like tracking has become abused by the general consumer. So on one hand, if you have athletes that are competing at a professional level, so let's say, for example, so soccer players, when they, uh, when they train, but also when they play a game, I'm not sure if you've ever seen them, but they wear these, like, they're almost like these, um, um, these sports bras, but they're not bras. They're just like these, like thing that they put on that yeah. have a uh, tracking device on it. So it tracks like their distance covered on the field. I mm -hmm. think it also measures like their energy expenditure, all, all a bunch of tracking measures because it'll tell the uh, medical staff and also the, the rehab staff, okay, this is the protocol we have to put in place for recovery. Now you did six kilometers this game. 
here's the recovery protocol. Mm-hmm. When they train, it's like they want to uh, – so like let's say you're a cyclist and you're like, a, like a Lance Armstrong Tour de France cyclist. A high level we need to one, hit, yeah. we, we need to hit X, X heart rate. We need to be at this percentage so that we can train a certain variable of your, uh, of your endurance. Mm-hmm. That's where tracking is really, really good. Now though, we've, we've taken tracking that is at a, at a high level and now we say, okay, uh, it's an arbitrary means to just – do more. So it's like, oh, uh, like, like you said, with, with the whole competitiveness, oh, I did 100 points this month. Next month, I want to do 120 points. And but like, we, you don't know if those extra 20 points that you gain next month is going to be a positive be, outcome for your results. Negative. Yeah, exactly. Can so, be the opposite of beneficial. That's the thing. And it's where all the things that, that when they are for high level athletes or anything like DEXA scans, for example, that track right. your, your body fat percentage and your lean mass percentage, it can be important in studies and research methods, right? And then when those things become popularized and then you have your in-body scans or all this stuff, it gets butchered and it gives you any old number, kind of like the headless chicken going around and going, bing, 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 here's your number. And then you take that as certain and you just grab onto it and run with that as if it's something that you want to identify yourself as where you definitely don't need that you don't need to be you know comparing your number of maps to someone else's or you know comparing your body fat percentage or lean mass percentage to someone else's because first is not going to be accurate second is very individualized and third what does that number even mean? Bitch, don't you know that you're fucking fat? <laughs> Can't you see that you're fat? I knew it was coming. I knew it was uh, right? coming. And so like the, the, one of the best metrics in the world is a mirror and your clothes. <laughs> How do your clothes fit? Do your pants fit looser or tighter or the same? You don't like any of those outcomes? Change it. Look in the mirror. Do, am, am I getting more muscle? Am I getting leaner? Do I have more muscle? Yes, no. Is it the same? Change yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's that's another, that's another one that I was going to say that is pointless tracking body fat percentage and lean mass percentage. Um, but going back to the second point <laughs> that I wanted to talk about in terms of what we were saying before, uh, research papers, this is something else that, you know, fitness nerds, including myself in terms of nutrition nerds, we love a little bit of research. We love yeah. the methods. We love the abstract, the conclusion. We love to take that data and just make that certain, you know. And and one thing I've learned is that you, you're always biased. Like you're going to read something already wanting to, like expecting to read a result out of that study, right? And then if you don't find what you want out of that one, you go and find for, you go and look for another one that will be kind of like confirming your biases, right? So, and you can have a thousand studies that will say one thing and a thousand studies that will say the opposite. There is no way to kind of see which one is more valuable. And this is the thing that annoys me the most with like 
low carb zealots or all the other diets uh, that are out there, intermittent fasting zealots and everything. They take a few studies, they grab really hard onto it and be like, this is my truth now when there's no such thing. Like it's so, you know, it's so hard to track this, all of this, because like we were saying, we are not numbers. And even if these studies were like, controlled and everything um you're not able to see in the long term unless you follow someone for 50 years plus what are and even then it will be different to each individual so they are really good to give us directions of where to go or what to look for but they shouldn't be taken as truth because we are not robots mm-hmm. I, it's funny because like I've I've done intermittent fasting for a long time and I saw great results. I've also seen really good results eating breakfast because I eat mm-hmm. breakfast now. Like, it's it, it all comes down again. It all comes down to simple math of okay, what are your portions like? What are you consuming? And what's your activity level? Yeah. But I think people don't want to face the truth that I have to change my behavior in my in my mm-hmm. own mind first. Yes. So they'll take arbitrary tracking as a means to validate that, oh, no, I'm justified as to why I'm taking a day off today. Or, you know, I, I'm justified that like, look, I'm training so hard. I'm so proud of myself. But is the outcome of what you want there? Are you yeah. if your goal is body composition, or you change your body composition with those tracking metrics of you doing more and more and more on that app? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Like, right? Like, it just depends on what it is that your outcome is. Exactly. And- Even with training, like research that does like, in training, for example, exercise A had more uh, muscle activation on the glutes, for example, than exercise B. Therefore, exercise A is better for glute development when there is actually muscle activation is not the same thing as hypertrophy and then people take that one study and say, okay, I'm doing, uh, what's it called, clam clamshells clamshells yeah I'm doing those for the rest of my life I'm doing frog pumps now because this study showed that this will grow my glutes or do more activation of my glutes when it's actually like nah you gotta look at the whole thing yeah and it's true like it's and, and and that's why I've kind of really steered away from the whole data and scientific method of all that because training isn't that difficult yeah. We, we know more or less what works and what doesn't work. We know the principles of hypertrophy. We know the prin- principles of strain training. It's been tried, tested, and true. Yes, can other uh, science data come out to help validate that? Sure, it can, and it does help. But to what extent? Like people, people, we're we're so data driven in in this in the in all like the 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 publications of of journals and stuff. But people still don't even know how to apply effort or change their behavior or do these like low hanging fruit things that have more of an impact on their day to day outcome than a study that comes out that says coffee is good. Coffee is bad. Bananas cause weight gain. Bananas cause fat loss. Like, Mm -hmm. gives a shit. Yeah, 100%. It's like you can spend years and years learning uh, reading all the books and then you know reading all the research papers let's say doing a a strength and conditioning at uni for years and doing masters on that and whatever you spend 
six months at a gym, working with real clients, working with real people, and that all falls to the ground because you realize that with real people, they have real behaviors, they have a lifestyle, and none of these things will apply. We know what we know now, or we've seen what we've seen now and everything like that. We know what to apply because we've been working with real people and we've seen patterns over and over and over again. And we've seen that something that works really well for one might not work for another. So it's all these different ways that you you need to be able to adapt and reshape yourself into these things. So without grabbing onto truths or or research papers and things like that. Yeah, right. It, 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 I mean, it's nice to think, oh, this potentially has a big impact on my outcome and we hope for that right but i don't think it really matters in the end because like you said like real people have real behaviors and they have their own mental struggles they have their own limiting belief systems Mm -hmm. like they're they're a complex organism that Mm -hmm. changes like hour to hour minute to minute like we're always fluctuating in homeostasis so like to to say that these things work well we don't know yeah i'm sure they work well but sometimes they don't Exactly. And, 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 this, and it comes down to you being autonomous to know, hey, like what what is detrimental to me, my mental state, my health, and what's positive mm-hmm. and act accordingly. Just because your bitch friends got one doesn't mean that you have to use it. That is so true. And this is this is why it's important to like at first, at least at the beginning, if you don't have that self-awareness, if you're not conscious of where you are right now, Doing the tracking at first is important of the tracking yeah. of your sleep, not necessarily with a wearable, but you know how training jur- journals and like uh journals in general are trending at the moment because all that does brings you a moment to reflect upon yourself and your day and your current state and your current mood. For example, there are many coaches that work with people, and myself included, that have sheets to track, that get you to track your mood, you know, your sleep, your step, but not because that is necessary information, but that's because I want you to stop and think about that and think about how is my mood? And, you know, and and if you put like a two out of five out there, I would then raise that question why is it two out of five what is this impacting maybe think about that so just these tracking ways of tracking things is just to make us more aware you don't need to track if you know exactly like how you deal with things or how you are and you know how to check in with yourself Mm -hmm. like it like you Mm do but if you if this is not engraved in you yet having those metrics that can be helpful yeah absolutely and 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 we're also and another spot where tracking really plays a big role is in the beginning of somebody learning how to eat food and and, and so if, if weight loss is a concern even even muscle building For if sure. somebody doesn't know what portions look like mm-hmm. i'll always say hey like write down your stuff or maybe like measure it for a couple yes. weeks see what you're eating and just write it down like just track something so that you bring awareness to the situation. Once you get an idea of what food weighs, measures, looks like at a certain portion, then you'll have some more flexibility to like be more lenient in, in how you track. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody that doesn't know anything about like what protein should look like uh, from a portion standpoint, maybe yeah. tracking can help for a couple of weeks. Like 
you know, is it tedious? Absolutely. But can it bring some awareness to what you're doing? Of course. Exactly. And it's only tedious at the beginning. I think this is a very important point where, you know, if you have a scales and you're, you're being precise with your measures, you're being precise with your portions. Some people might see that as extreme, but in reality it's not. I like the kind of comparing it to financial things. Yeah. You're always going to track closely your your expenses what's coming in what's going out and you know sometimes you have spreadsheets for that now just because you're tracking you're using the same way to track your energy intake your food intake and making a conscious effort towards a goal that you have in a financial goal it can be to buy something in in the terms of a, a, a physique goal it can be to get to a certain physique right either uh, body composition go, either uh, muscle gain or fat loss or something like that. It's not extreme. You're just being careful about it. You're just wanting to be precise to get to that specific goal that you want to get. You know, the more yeah. specific your goal, then the more precise you have to be. You're absolutely right. And for some reason, I thought about this while you were speaking. Um, I wonder back in like, the Egyptian times or the, with the in Egypt, with, 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 like when they had like the pharaohs and like was it ten thousand years ago? Mm. I wonder if like the women and or the men were this obnoxious with their training and fit. If they were like, it, I wonder if like a, a female back in Egypt back ten thousand years ago would ever tell her husband or if they were married, I don't know what they would do. Like with whoever they were with, oh, I feel fat tonight. I don't want to go to so and so's whatever like i love this topic i love this topic. I, I just i wonder like what what society was like that like are we shaped by our environment and society and what we totally i think my my idea of this is we were so these were not concerns because we had other survival concerns and also we were so connected to our uh physiological needs you yeah. eat when you're hungry, you sleep when you're tired, you pee when you need to pee. And, you know, it's not a thing where I'm super stressed. I had a hard day at work. I need to go and look for some quick serotonin. Here you go. Big chocolate cake available at that bakery. I want that right now. So, you know, modern day brought us comfort but it also brought us so much stress and other behaviors that came with that that we became less and less able to recognize our physiological needs that's my yeah. take on it yeah and, and again i also wonder about like what their stress was right like because humans had stress since beginning right just it was in forms of different different mm. forms so i'm just curious so like what I don't know. For some reason, I'd love to go back in time and just observe just see, a yeah. week's worth of society back 10,000 years ago. See, see like what really, like, yeah. I, I don't know, like. And generally more active. I'm sure that we are 100% way more active than we are now. They definitely did not spend eight hours of their day sitting in a chair. Well, no, because they're uncomfortable. Like they walked everywhere, really. But again, like, but, but, but I wonder if the, um, the well-off, like the the pharaohs and the the high societies back then, if they were gluttonous, we went through a phase where uh, being having more fat on you was it meant wealth, right? Yeah, this it, was back in like the fourteen hundreds, the medieval times. No, like mm -hmm. the fourteen, fifteen, six hundred. Yeah, 
Yeah, I see. It's funny to see these trends and where they're going. And right now we are in the hourglass shape kind of trend, isn't it? Where I can't wait. I can't wait till this booty craze goes away, and and it, and it, and it go and it goes back to like being skinny. And you have Stop. all these, and you have all these fat ass women that hate themselves, right? Oh no, I'm but no, 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 thriving. No, but just, just, I'm thriving. But just, but just, but just stop and think about this, right? You have all these women obsessed with getting a big booty, so they're eating, they're training, they got these fat asses. In five years from now, the trend's gonna swing the other way, and now skinny is the new trend. How many of these big booty bitches are gonna be so? neurotic about their fat ass now so five years ago it was the, it was the craze and like they looked sexy yeah now they're eating disorder because society says that it's about being skinny I, I just watch just wait for it it takes one person it takes one influential person to go the other way and then we're all gonna follow like little stupid ends well, back in the 90s, before you were born, but also like during like 95, 96, 97. Oh, my code. Don't need to. <laughs> the, the, trend, the, the trend was like the cocaine addict body oh, yeah. type. Like skinny, Lindsay Lohan, slender. Paris Hilton. But, but even like before that, like, in the, like, in, like it was like that grunge phase of the 90s. It was a very like, it wasn't a voluptuous. Yeah. Um, it well, was for the, the top white model, female. top model. Anorexia. Yeah, it was like a yeah, it was like a it was a very yeah, yeah. So whereas now it's gone to like more the voluptuous side of things. I can't wait for. I that can't because... wait until there comes trends for men, and then we'll say for men. I, but it's always but the same. We're just happy but, but there with are trends guys. With men, just, I don't think men like, really give fuck a shit. That dead bods are back in fashion. Yeah, but that's because people are lazy. But like, I'm trying to think of trends that I, I mean. Look, my hair is a trend. I do it because oh, yeah, of soccer players. Mean. I'm trying to think of like guys just want a big chest, big biceps. Oh, I think big legs should be a trend for men. Yeah. Yes. Let's make that a trend. Come on, everyone. Let's make big legs in men a trend. Okay. Well, there have because people wear like the short, the guys wear like the five inch seam shorts, like the short shorts. Oh, yeah. Drop their oh, yeah. quads. True. True. Right. This was. A journey, <laughs> a good journey to the a journey fact. into geopolitical. Yeah, we went we went everywhere, guys. I hope you followed. <laughs> I hope you follow this through. If you're great. still here, please share this podcast uh, with your family, with your friends, with people you like, with people you don't like, and give us some feedback. We're happy to hear it. I mean, Michael might tell you to fuck off. Yeah, but... I'm, I'm curious. Let's do a poll. How many of you listening get offended to me saying, "Bitch, you're still fat." I'm, I'm curious. That poll. Yeah, I'm. I, I ask your people. Hop I'm on curious. my Instagram, guys, and answer that poll. My Instagram is at Manu Pozo M A N U P O Z O and Michael's. Common underscore original, with an yeah. X. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so tired now. I just need to go to bed. Yeah. Uh, have a good week. I'll see you next week. Peace.